going to be in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 tonight, and by way of introduction, thinking about Christmas this morning, I think was a good example of this, really all day. Uh, when my, my brother's really into cooking, it's kind of his hobby, uh, and I'm really into eating, it, it's kind of my hobby, so uh, that works out great, except this year everybody came to my house, and so uh, that meant that we were kind of doing some of the cooking and things, but I'm still into eating, I love eating, I don't know, anybody with me on that? I mean, I love eating. Brother Burdick was asking about cookies, and I was thinking 12 cookies today, and I was counting. And then he said over several days, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I definitely had at least 12 cookies. Uh, so eating, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, as a kid, sometimes your parents, and, and no disrespect to my mom since she's here tonight, but sometimes your parents put some restrictions on your diet, you know, like you have to eat your vegetables. Um, you, you can't have dessert unless. Uh, you can choose either or. And uh, one of the things I appreciate about, you know, Christmas or even Thanksgiving or, or other holidays, I guess, is uh, oftentimes you have multiple options on the table, and that's a wonderful thing, you know? And uh, I think a lot of times we look at those options as like, I will either have, like this morning at breakfast, we'll use that as an example, okay, I will either have frittata or I will have French toast bake. But in this case, it's Christmas, so I said I'm going to have frittata and French toast bake, Amen? Because and is always better than either, or, either, whatever I'm trying to say, okay, uh, I'm on Christmas coma right now, okay, so uh, I think there's something beneficial about and, you know, it's like the, the option of adding something else to what you already have and not having to give up what you have, oh, that's an easy choice, yes, I will take it. Um, so tonight, I think that's kind of the introduction thought to, to 2 Peter chapter 1, I want us to consider adding to our faith. Isn't addition a lot better than subtraction? Uh, isn't addition so much better than uh, either or? I, I believe that it is, and I think that what we're going to find in 2 Peter chapter 1 is that God is saying, hey, uh, in reference to your faith, it's not a matter of you can have this or that. You actually, you can add to what you already have. And what am I speaking of? Well, God doesn't want you to simply stop at placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Many of you here tonight, you, you've known Christ for many years. God doesn't desire for us to stop at the faith in God. God doesn't desire that we, we stop at the faith of, of the reception of God's gift of salvation. His, his desire is that we add to our faith, that we build on our faith. And we're going to see that in 2 Peter chapter 1. I've said that a few times, so hopefully you're there already. Uh, we're going to start in verse 5. It says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling election sure, for if ye do these things ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into a message I've entitled, In Addition. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to gather around your word this evening. Thank you that we've, we've had the opportunity to celebrate the wonderful birth of our Savior. And Father, I pray that tonight as we look into 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll consider how we can add to our faith how we can build on the faith that we already have. 
God, thank you that you give us instruction in your word that is helpful, that's, that's a blessing to us, and that also convicts us. And so I pray that tonight we would open our hearts to what it is that you have for us to, to add to our life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the first thing I want to consider that we already talked about a little bit in our introduction is the starting point. The starting point. And that starting point is our faith. So in verse, verse 5 of chapter 1, it says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So what are we adding to? We're adding to our faith. And what are we talking about there? Well, uh, I think we have to start with this statement, actually. We have to back up just a little bit. You can't add to something you don't already have. So there is an insinuation in the passage that you have faith. So have you ever made the decision to receive the gift of salvation by faith? It's a simple question, but at Christmas, and certainly many of you watching my way of live stream tonight, maybe you've never made this decision in your life. So the story of Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas, is that Jesus Christ is God himself, and he took upon himself the, the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men, Philippians chapter 2 tells us. What that's saying is that he took on the form of a man. He became a man. He was 100% God and 100% man. And because of that, he was able to take the sin of the world upon himself. He was, he was able to die for the sin of mankind. And that means my sin. That means your sin. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, I think it's, it's not something I have to convince people of in, in a society that we live in. We all understand that we're sinful people. We've done wrong. And because of that wrong, there's a penalty. That penalty is death. It's separation from God forever in a real place called hell. But Jesus, the creator, Jesus, God himself, became a man Lived, lived a life as a man in sinless perfection and then chose to die for the sin of the world, every single person that's ever lived. But he didn't just stay dead. He proved that he was God and that he was powerful over death and hell by rising again from the dead on the third day. So because of that, because of this wonderful event that took place, a real event, not a, not a fairy tale, not a, not a great story, an event that took place in history, because of that, we have the opportunity to answer the call of Acts 16.31, whosoever, excuse me, that's Romans 10.13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shall be saved, that's Acts 16.31. So we have that choice. If you've never done that tonight, my prayer is that you will make that decision. You, you don't have to have a, a, a bell ringing. You don't have to have any fancy moment. You don't, have to have, you don't even have to have tears. It, that's not the idea. The idea is faith. Faith. Now, sometimes emotions come along with it. So do you remember that time that you trusted Christ? Do you remember when you placed your faith in Christ? I think one of the things that I enjoy uh, considering at Christmas is thinking about all the many things that God has given us. I know that's a Thanksgiving thing to do, but I also think about it at Christmas. The gift of God to us was eternal life through, through the Christmas story of Jesus' birth and then, and then later in his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's a wonderful gift, and as you start thinking about that, then you start thinking about all the things that God has given you, and then, and then I hope and pray, maybe even tonight if you haven't already, my heart often goes to that moment that I placed my faith in Christ. What a wonderful moment that was. I think we, have to, we should go back to that moment regularly. It's good to remember what God has done for us. Hey, we're coming to the end of the year. Have you noticed that? I mean, there's all kinds of, I'm a sports guy, there's all kinds of top 10 plays going on for the 2023, the, the most historic moments that happened this year, and all these things are happening because it's kind of the end of the year. Have you stopped and thought back on all the wonderful things that God did in your life this year? Have you stopped and thought about that? 
Okay, so our faith, it's the starting point. And, and you can't add to something you don't have. So if you've never made the decision to receive Christ as your Savior, I, I pray that you do. But if you have, if you've trusted in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, if you've received the gift of salvation, then that's not the end. That's the beginning. That's the starting point. That's the starting point. So the starting point tonight is faith. Okay, faith is not just something that we use for salvation, though. So if we want to kind of wrap this up, this first thought of the starting point of faith, we have to understand that faith is not something that we only use for salvation. It really is something that we use every day in our walk with God. What we believe influences everything that we think about, which controls everything that we do. So let me illustrate that with one of my favorite illustrations because I absolutely hate them. If, if you believe that snakes are deadly and evil, by the way, Micah Bowman's here and he loves snakes, so I, I'm very glad that I inserted this into my message tonight. Um, it was for you, brother. Okay, so I think snakes are deadly, they are evil, they are of the devil. I mean, the scriptures illustrate the devil by a snake, right? Any man, anybody with me? A couple of you. Okay, well, I hate snakes. And because that's what I believe, that's what I think about. If I ever see a snake, my first reaction is, ah! And then my second reaction is, find something to kill it, right? So shovel, um, shotgun, I mean, it doesn't matter. We're gonna end this snake's life. And you say, but some snakes are good. Not for me. They're all evil. That's what I believe at the core. And it influences everything that I do because it's the way I think. It's the way I think about them. And I've had these preconceived thoughts before I even see one. And so when I see one, I have an automatic reaction to it. In the same way, that is how our faith, I know that's a silly illustration, but that's how our faith is, right? What do you believe about God? Do you believe what God's word says? Do you rehearse? Uh, one of my professors in grad school, he says, do you preach at yourself the Bible? <laughs> do you rehearse what God's word says? Do you believe what the Bible says and let that infiltrate the way you think? So that when circumstances of life, like a snake, uh, when circumstances of life come along, we react according to what God's word teaches. See, this is the idea. The starting point is our faith. We're building on it. What we believe influences everything that we think, which controls everything that we do. In the same way, why, what I believe about God influences how I think about him, and it influences the way I interpret the events of life that are happening every day. So what is your faith in today? That is the ultimate question as we journey into this passage. What is your faith in? Is it in Jesus Christ? Or is it in trusting yourself? Is it in trusting the, the lies that this world offers? It is an interesting topic, and we won't get sidetracked tonight, but certainly our world offers us a lot of false information. When you start filtering the things that you see and hear in our culture through the lens of scripture, there's a lot of lies that are very convincing. Isn't that interesting? I think sometimes we get, I, we talk about this in youth group a lot. I, I think many times, my generation, I'm, I think all of us here, but I believe my generation and younger, we, we hear things so many times we start to believe that they're true just because we hear it all the time. But that doesn't make it true. That doesn't make it true. What is the source of all truth? God's word. So what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in yourself, your wisdom, this world's wisdom, or are you trusting in Jesus Christ? And then when we, when we start to answer that question, I think our natural response is, of course I believe God. Of course I believe his word. I'm a Christian. Pastor Gorley, I'm here on a Wednesday night. 
the week of Christmas. I'm dedicated. <laughs> okay, you're right. We are. We're Christians. We believe God. But then we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, what do I really believe when I start considering the way I act, the things that I say, the things that I think about? Oh, when I start evaluating what I think about and what I say and what I do, does that line up with Scripture? If it doesn't, then what do I really believe? And I, I believe that's where we're going to go tonight in Second Peter. We're not going to hit all of these details, by the way, in case you were thinking this message was going to take us till New Year's. Uh, we're not going to hit all of these things that we're going to add to our faith, I promise, okay? But maybe you could do that for your personal quiet time this week or, or come back to it and study it a little bit later this week. But my, my thought process tonight is as we start into this, what is your faith in? And as you evaluate that, maybe, maybe then the following points really help encourage us to deepen our faith in Christ rather than in ourself rather than in the things that this world has to offer. Okay, so then the second thing that I see is not only that the starting point is our faith, but I also see that the effort level is all diligence. And I love this. This is a really fun one. I'm, I'm not uh, super great with languages, but I, I do enjoy the navigation through uh, the, the uh, word, uh, what do you call those, dictionaries, um, Yes, word studies, thank you. I don't know why, it's, I'm on Christmas break, apparently, in my mind as well. Okay, so just doing word studies, you learn more about the text, right? So here's an interesting thing. Look at verse number five with me, it says, and besides this, giving all diligence, all diligence. Okay, so all, we all know what that means. You've probably heard this from famous preachers of the past. All means all, and that's all all ever means, right? So all is all, that's what it means. Well, we got that one. Okay, so diligence then is defined as with eagerness, earnestness, with haste. So adding all to diligent, it actually, in this, in this phrase here, it's, it's kind of like the double intensity. It's the, the, my teenagers are probably laughing on the inside right now. It's the uh, pregame speech at a football game. It's the pastor pep talk on Wednesday night, teenagers. Uh, this is the moment of most intensity. So it's, uh, have you ever seen, I, I know the teenagers are laughing because I do sports illustrations all the time, especially Mr. Troutman right now, it's okay. Sports illustrations, I love sports. They're great illustrations of life. Have you ever seen a pre-game speech? You know, and the, the middle linebacker's in the middle of the defense and he's like, guys, I hope we win today. It's gonna be a tough one. No, that's not what they do. They're like yelling and they're, they're punching people and you're like, oh, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Wait for the game. <laughs> you know, they're going crazy. Okay, that's the idea. This is the, the picture. This is the word picture that's happening with all diligence, with every effort. Don't leave any energies left behind. Go all in. So what is our level of intensity? There is, there is this thought, we're starting with this basis of faith, but there's also an effort level. As we get ready to turn the page into a new year, what, what's gonna hit your goal list for the year? What are your resolutions for this year? Maybe one of the things you need to do is, is turn up the intensity in your walk with Christ. We turn up the intensity on lots of things. Listen, this year I'm gonna have to turn up the intensity on losing weight, right? Uh, the third kid was intense. We, we put on a little few too many pounds in 2023, so 2024 we're gonna get serious. Okay, have you, have you ever stopped and, and really evaluated? Is it time for me to get serious about my faith? And the answer to that question is always yes. Yes, raise the intensity level. Uh, th this, is, this is a pretty, I think, simple concept for us to understand, but it is a, is a deep question for our heart. What is the level of our intensity towards growing in Christ? 
How hard do we really push to grow our faith? Is it something that we're hoping will happen organically because we come to church on a regular basis? Is it something that we hope will take place simply because we surround ourselves with other Christian people? Is it something that we think or assume will happen because of the environment we put ourselves in? And if that's the case, then we have to be real with ourselves and recognize that is not the solution. We don't become more like Christ by osmosis. We become more like Christ because we work diligently to add to our faith. We spend time in God's word. We make corrective direction changes in our life to align ourselves with what we find in God's word. It, it is not something that will happen accidentally. It is something that is happening very purposefully. Okay, so then we've looked at the, the basis, the starting point, and that is our faith. We've looked at the effort level. That is all diligence. Number three, and moving a little quicker for the last couple thoughts here, but number three, the product. Let's skip over the, the middle part, so to speak. In verses six through eight, we have all these, or excuse me, verses five, six, and seven, we have all of these things that we can be adding to our faith, and that's your homework assignment. I know it's, it's Christmas break, and so that means you have extra personal quiet time, right? So take a little extra time in your personal quiet time this week and consider which of these characteristics, which of these virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. Which of these characteristics should you be adding in your life this year? Which of these are ones that you struggle with most? Turn your greatest weakness into your greatest strength. Which one is it? Well, as you're considering that, let's also consider what will the product be? Is it worth the workout, right? All of these people are advertising right now, members, gym memberships and, and these great diets and, and the pill that will change your life and, and the workout that will turn you back into the super athlete you once were right now because it's the end of the year and everybody's starting to think about. And so they're pushing really hard with these. Okay, let's stop and consider spiritually, what is it that we can change so that we can, we can take the weakening, weakest, weakening, weakening, that's bad English, what's happening tonight? Okay, the weaker areas of our faith and turn them into stronger areas of our faith. May 2024 be a year we see the greatest success in our spiritual journey. Well, that won't happen accidentally, so here's, here's some motivation for us, right? Here's some motivation. We all like motivation. We all like motivation. Here's some motivation, the product. The product, it's found in verse eight. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall need, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, adding to your faith will produce a deeper knowledge of Christ. Have you ever thought about the fact that the Christian life has a lot of questions in it? Have you ever thought about that? There's a lot of questions in the Christian life. I field them all the time from teenagers and now that I'm older in life, I'm not old, but I'm a little further down the line in life. I'm discovering that those questions never really go away. I mean, parents, ad grandparents, adults, older people, not old people, older people. Have you ever noticed this? The questions of life just keep coming. The answers are always difficult to find. And what am I saying? Well, have you ever thought about the fact that the Christian life asks questions like, what is God's will? Who should my friends be? How do I interact with the people around me? Where should I work? What should I do for work? How do I grow spiritually? How can I overcome sinful habits? How can I grow in my walk with Christ? How can I, and we keep asking questions. And what we discover 
is that if we are consistently adding the attributes and, and things that we find here in, in 2 Peter chapter 1 to our lives, that the Bible promises us that we will be fruitful in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing because if we go back to our basis, remember our basis, the starting place is our faith, and that is this idea of what do I believe? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about his word? Well, then the promise here is that as I am diligently seeking after the Lord, I'm gonna have a deeper knowledge of Christ. Philippians 3, 8 says it this way, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Two verses later he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So what he's saying is that it's worth throwing everything else away in life so that I might know Christ, so that I can deepen my knowledge of him. How deep is your knowledge of Christ? The product of diligently seeking after the Lord is a deeper knowledge of him, a deeper knowledge of your Savior. What, what are we adding to our faith, by the way? I think sometimes the focus that we naturally lean to when we say, I need to build my faith, I need to grow my faith, I need to add to my faith, the natural thought process is works. And of course, James chapter two clear, clearly describes that works are a part of the Christian life and that we should be doing them. And, and we should be doing good things. <laughs> we should be going about doing good things. We should be encouraging other people. Look at some of these characteristics that we kind of, so to speak, skipped over tonight. Uh, patience. I'm a parent. Any other parents out there? Any parents out there? Yes, parents. Patience is a real thing, isn't it? It's a real thing. Patience. But when we demonstrate patience, isn't that demonstrating the love of God to other people? What about charity? Brotherly kindness. You see, when, we're, when we are adding to our faith, we, we are not just adding works. Sometimes I think our natural thought process is I, I need to do things for people. I need, to, I need to be more involved. I need to be engaged. And those are good things, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do those. But I think there's something deeper than that. The deeper thought process is if we add to our faith virtue and knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, these, are, these aren't just the outside workings of these characteristics. This isn't just what people see us doing. This is at the heart level. This is a character trait. This is part of who we are. As we walk with our Savior, then we begin to reflect his characteristics, his character traits to other people. Oh, and now they have a higher view of God. Now I am truly doing these things that I'm seeing in these verses because it is not me that is doing them, it is the Spirit who is working in me. Am I walking in the Spirit? Are we adding to our faith in a way that is not just surface level for others to see, but it's actually transforming my heart and who I am? Are we adding to our faith in this way? Well, it takes discipline, it takes effort, it's not gonna happen automatically. So one final thing for us to consider as we wrap up tonight, because I am a youth pastor and going beyond 20 minutes is sometimes out of my comfort zone. Okay, so one final thought for us as we wrap up these verses in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, we do find a warning. We do find a warning. Yes, there is a product that we're excited about, and that is a deeper knowledge of Christ, but there is a warning that we should heed, and that is spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. Look at verse number 8. It says this. For these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he that lacketh these things, the opposite, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. 
and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. There's a warning. The reason for being spiritually blind is simple. You've forgotten the incredible grace that God gave you in salvation. We started there tonight. Let's go back there for a moment. What has God done for you? He's done the ultimate. He gave you eternal life. He forgave you of sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are become new. I do believe that sometimes this is one of the hardest elements of the second generation Christian's life. Because as a second generation Christian, or third, or fourth, or fifth, or 25th, uh, wherever you land in the, the journey of people who've passed their faith from one generation to the next, when we grow up in a Christian home, sometimes you can't recollect a time when you were evil. That's because we don't see ourselves as evil. We look at ourselves in the eyes of what this world says is good and evil instead of in the eyes of God. And truly, we are all, at the core, we are evil. We've all gone our own way. We are all sinful to the very depth of our heart. When we recognize who we really are, then we recognize what God has really done in our life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is not just a verse for some awful, wicked sinner as we would look at from the worldly, earthly perspective. This is a verse that is true for every single one of us. We were incredibly evil people. Why? Because we rejected God. We were, we were bent on sin. We were going the wrong direction. And God, in a miraculous event called salvation, for those of you who have put your faith in Christ, has changed your direction completely. You are a new creature in Christ. The, the Bible says here in 2 Peter, the reason why this is such an important thing is you, many times when we are not focused on adding to our faith, we have been blinded. Why? Because we forgot what God did for us. We've been blinded because we forgot the wonderful truth of what salvation really all is all about. Transformation. Romans chapter six speaks of this, and certainly I'd, I'd love to read the whole chapter, but for sake of time, we'll just hit a few of the highlights. Verse one says, what then, uh, you know, excuse me, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Later on in the chapter in verse 12, it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it to the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey? Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So why would we keep sinning? Why would we keep walking the path of sin when God has done this transformative work in our life? Ah, because we've blinded ourselves. We, verse 9, we, we lack these things. We can't see afar off. We've forgotten that we were purged from this way of life. We no longer have to live under the power of that life. By the way, I like how he says it in verse 4. So back up. We haven't read this verse yet. Look at verse 4. It says, whereby are given, these are the, the people of God, believers, wherefore, or excuse me, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We don't have to succumb to the temptation of sin. We don't have to give in to lust. We don't have to obey our own flesh. We can obey the Spirit. We can walk in the Spirit. It is possible. The problem is 
we cannot see afar off. And we have forgotten that we were purged from our own sins. We allow ourselves to be deceived. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, by the way, one last thought, one last verse for that. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We are no longer under the powerful arm of sin. We are under something far greater. We are under the powerful arm of Jesus Christ himself the loving arms of the Savior. So if you're not abiding, uh, excuse me, if you're not adding to your faith, you lack an eternal perspective. The, the language here is actually quite harsh. It's, it's rather condemning towards the person who's foolish enough to ignore the need to prepare for the future. There's an insinuation of, of a person, uh, for example, when I was in college, there was many days I went off about my college life and I didn't even think about the weather forecast. I just got up and I went. And I can remember many times in this building walking out when I was at Pensacola Christian College, back when I was a student, I would walk out of chapel and there's this deluge happening, you know? 40,000 gallons a minute dropping from the sky. We call it rain. I mean, in the rest of the country, here in Florida, it, we, we have rain at like unprecedented rates. I know it's winter time right now, but you all know what I'm talking about. And now you're looking across this distance and you're thinking, should I run for it? Uh, should I just walk and get soaked? <laughs> What am I going to do? I didn't prepare. And all the other people are like putting up their umbrella and like, ah, <laughs> evil laughs. Okay, um, so we, we understand this concept. Maybe it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting ready for the winter retreat. We're, we're doing a winter retreat this year uh, at Camp Victory. And uh, that's just a few weeks away, by the way, teenagers. So if you haven't registered yet, I'd encourage you to do so. We're looking forward to that, making some plans. It's going to be a little cooler this year. My guess is there's going to be a few teenagers that show up with just a small hoodie. And about, I don't know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock, they're going to start, like, doing the shiver number. Like, I'm okay. You know, teenage boys, I'm okay. I, I don't need anything. And they're, like, shaking, their whole body shaking. Because they didn't prepare. They didn't prepare for the future event that was coming their way, even though they could have. Uh, maybe it's like uh, every single time I've ever gone to the beach, I, I mean, I go to the beach like once every seven years here in Pensacola. I, I hate sand and salt. I know I live at the beach. It's kind of weird. But every time I go to the maybe this is why I hate the beach. Every time I go to the beach, I get there and either I didn't bring a towel or we didn't bring enough for the whole family. So it's like, well, uh, no towel for me. And then you're wet and miserable the whole way home, because you didn't prepare for the future. Okay, I think we got the point. Many times I think we do the same. We, we understand that God's word has the answers that we need. And it's gonna prepare us for the day, it's gonna prepare us for tomorrow, and ultimately it's preparing us for eternity. The question is, are you doing it? Are you digging into God's word? Are you spending time growing in your faith? Are you adding to your faith, virtue, knowledge, etc.? The end product of adding these attributes to our faith is a Christian who will not fall spiritually. You wonder why you're falling spiritually tonight? You wonder why 2023 was a rough year, spiritually speaking? Well, where are you at in your walk with Christ? Are you adding to your faith? In addition, it doesn't have to be either or. You can add to the faith you already have. Do you know Christ is your savior? Are you adding to your faith? I pray that you are.